Good morning. It's beautiful to see you all because you're all beautiful. And um, this is, this is kind of interesting today. I've got a little different approach and I feel like the Lord just keeps saying, do that, please. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> but I feel like he's saying, um, the presence of God is undoubtedly the most precious thing, I think, to all of us, many of us, me for sure. The presence of God is the game changer. It's the connection to the life and the flow of the Holy Spirit and all that God has for us. Am I doing that right now, Daniel, with my microphone thing? Am I clicking it? Am I bouncing? Okay, I hear something popping. All right, if it gets to be a problem, let me know. We can switch. And what I've recognized in my life is it is also, like once you are touched and um, and you experience the presence of God, you want that for every single person in the world. And there is a cry in my heart for that. And almost every time I sit down to the piano, that's what ends up, that's where we end up going. I just pour out my heart to God. That's one of the ways that I connect with God, and we all have our various ways of connecting with him and his spirit and his presence. That's mine, um, one of mine. And my heart just always goes to that eventually. Like, please let all of this go to everyone. You know, what we're experiencing, this presence, this flow, this beauty, this life, this healing, this transformation, like, let that go everywhere. So I'm, I'm going to go to the piano in a second here and just play a little bit of what came to my heart one day when I was, it's basically a prayer. Um, but then sometimes it can turn into like, wait but are you, but what, but help, please, are you doing this? And I'm going to, I'm just going to do this weird thing. (laughs) It's not weird, but I'm going to sit at the piano, kind of play and talk through sort of how the Lord did this thing. Okay, so here I go. Daniel, it's off, you're going to turn that, yeah, okay. And be reminded, this is not a complete song at all. Like, it's bits and pieces that have yet to be fully written, if they ever get written fully, you know, it was a prayer, so. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we were kind of, we were kind of in this mode here.
that line? I didn't know where the river was going. I don't even know where that line came from. I was just like, what? What's that? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. You're just like, where's the river going? And that's when kind of the whole, like, I want, I know where I want the river to go, but the river of God being the presence of God, the life of God, the, the power of God, all of that, I know where I want it to go, but it feels like it's not going there sometimes. And, but he just brought that line, so I just went with that. And then I never got kind of the rest of the lines, but but it was something to do like with take it everywhere. Like every mountain, every valley, every dark place, every hard place. Like just like words like that, right? Like just every sad place, every sick place, just take it there. I want everyone to experience the life and the freedom and the power of God. Jesus in his presence in the spirit of God I know where it's going and then it was kind of weird because he just sort of appeared on the scene not physically but like his presence just said the river is going there it's already going there it's going there now you don't even see it you don't even get it you don't even know it the deep 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 work that I'm doing. I'm doing it now. You don't even know it. I'm taking him home. And he just kind of kept bringing this idea of Revelation really is what it was. It was revelation to see beyond the bad, hard things that we see and that we're dealing with in our own lives and all that, and see that he's got a greater work that is happening. There is a greater work happening, and and it is. It's happening. And so what made all the difference for me was his presence in that moment. And I'm going to hop back up now. What made all the difference for me was his presence that intercepted me in that moment where I was starting to feel heaviness. He breathed in the moment and he said, no, you're not seeing this correctly. Let me help you. Let me just take back the blinders a little bit and deposit into you what I actually am doing, what I'm actually about. You know, oh, we are off notes right now. That's okay. You know, the scripture that talks about... um, Think on these things. Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are, like all the good things, think on these things, right? I sometimes, most of the time I would say, have read that and been like, okay, when there's something bad going on, I need to think about something good. Okay, so 
rainbows are good, babies are good, unicorns are good, pie is good. I just need to start thinking about, oh my goodness, you know, we've got financial woes, but let's think about pie instead. I think that's what that scripture is talking about for sure. No, it didn't quite make sense to me in some ways. Like I know we can, we can shift mindset and that's what we're actually taught in schools now is fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Have a growth mindset instead of saying, I'm never going to be good at art. Say, I'm going to start learning about art, you know, this kind of thing. And those are powerful tools. And there's a lot of great tools for mindset. Um, and to not have this catastrophic mindset, which is actually something that from the ages of 18 to 35, we're still developing how to not have a catastrophic mindset. I'm just sorting that out. But um, I did not research that deeply. I just read it somewhere. And I was like, wow, I had no idea. <laughs> So anyway, but this think on these things idea, I feel like what the Lord said was, it's not about never thinking about bad things or never acknowledging that there's something very difficult or bad happening in your life or in the world or with your family. It's about gaining the shift in the mindset of where I am, what I'm doing, what I say about that in the moment and how I see it. And everything that he sees, that he, or that the, his perspective, there's going to be truth, there's going to be good, there's going to be righteousness, there's going to be honest, there's going to be good report. All of that is part of his story. That's part of his message. That's part of his mindset. It's his paradigm. I really feel like this is banging. Yeah. So let's switch a ruski. Okay. So I feel like he said, yeah, you don't have to just think about good things. Just think about my things. Like, just put me in the picture. Just insert me in the picture. And so that's what I'm kind of working on these days. That's what's kind of in my heart. Because sometimes I hear some of the people in our body, um, I think of specific people in here, that have a mindset. It's a heavenly mindset. It's a mindset that sees beyond what's right here in front of us, what our eyes just see. It's spiritual eyesight, right? So that's what I'm wanting to develop, and that's what the presence of God does. He breathes in our moment. He breathes on us and says, here's my mindset. Here's what I'm seeing. Okay, so then we move to how do we connect with the presence of God more? How do we do this? How do we, how do we access that more, just the presence of God and that connection? And the words that he kept kind of bringing to my mind the last few weeks was just magnify the Lord, magnify the Lord. And so I didn't think that was super exciting, but (laughs) because I've heard it a lot, you know, growing up in church life, you hear those phrases. But also, as I started to think about it more, I was like, honestly, that's been the thing that's probably pulled me into higher places out of dark places or out of difficult places and into God places than anything else. It's magnifying the Lord. So today we're going to talk about that, magnify the Lord. There it is right there. Um, And the thing about magnification, it's kind of interesting. I think we're all all pretty familiar with with what magnification is. It makes something appear larger, correct? But the thing, I kind of dug into magnification. I've got kind of science-y, which was a challenge, but I gave it my best shot. And the thing about magnification is it actually reveals what is unseen to us. It doesn't make the thing bigger. It just makes what is unseen to us 
revealed, basically, right? So we're seeing the full spectrum of something or a fuller spectrum of something when it's magnified. We're seeing the details. We're seeing the finer points. We're seeing the things we never even knew existed. And I've got, um, I I learned also (laughs) that it takes a special lens to be able to magnify something. It takes a convex lens, all right? A convex lens controls light and the direction of the light. A convex lens focuses the light rays to a specific point, whereas a concave lens diverges the light rays. I had to read that verbatim because I was like, I'll mess this up if I don't, because it's too sciencey for me. <laughs> but there's a convergence of the light rays that are coming through that object to a specific point, and therefore you can see it, you see it's magnified. So when God is magnified, he's not becoming himself larger or greater. He's as great, infinitely great as he ever will be, right? Rather, his greatness becomes more visible to our spiritual eyes, to the spiritual man, and or acknowledged or expanded in a new way. So I know we probably all use a magnifying glass or had one or seen one or whatever, um, but it reveals what's been there all along. I have a little bitty magnifying mirror I have a love-hate relationship with that mirror, I have to tell you, because I use it to sometimes put my makeup on in different low detailed spots, but as the, as the age creeps up, I am seeing more things are being revealed to me about what's really there than I ever really wanted to know. <laughs> I'm like, no, do we have to do this? Do we have to look at this? Yes, we do if we want to get our eyeliner on straight. So sister, pick up the magnifying mirror. Okay, I will. But, you know, there is actually, there are actually some mind-blowing, beautiful things that are revealed just in everyday stuff if they're magnified. So we're going to take a look at a couple of pictures here. So the first one, you try and guess. It's a little game. We're going to guess. What's the first one? It's a snowflake. And there are so many cool pictures of magnified snowflakes, and they're all just like different, right? Because snowflakes are all different. They're beautiful. They're amazing. Now, if I had a bunch of 12-year-old boys in here, I would have put the really scary ones of, like, this is a fire ant, and it looks like an alien. Like, it's what aliens, I think, got their, their movie ideas from, and, or the movies about aliens got their ideas from. Okay, next one. What is that? That is a pencil mark on a piece of printer paper. I know, right? Okay, next picture. Aren't they cute? Okay, so cute. What's your guess on that one? Those are tiny things. Those are two-day-old zebrafish larvae. You're welcome. Okay, next picture. Ooh, that one's a tough one. No one will get this one, I'm pretty sure. That is chalk. Chalk, yes. Okay, next picture. This is a happy one, right? Someone knew that. Grass. How did you know that? You go to Mac High, don't you? That's why. <laughs> That's grass. Isn't it the happiest thing? It looks like spring right there. Hallelujah. Spring is coming. Okay, next one. This looks like the Batmobile over and over again. Somebody else knows that. Wow, shark skin. You're right. Dude, I should have brought a Dutch Bros card for you. You know all the answers today. All right. I think we have one more. Yes. 
this actually kind of looks like what it actually is, but it's, it looks so cute, that strawberry seed. It's like just all nestled down in its little strawberry pillow or whatever. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing when you see things magnified. You see new details. You see new realities that you didn't even know about. The invisible becomes visible because we have a new lens applied. These all took special lenses to get them there. And when we can magnify God's greatness, we're putting on a, a special lens, a spiritual convex lens, if you will. We apply that, and we can get some, some focused light rays instead of scattered light rays. So what is it that's focusing these light? What is it that magnifies for us spiritually? What, what magnifies? Well, it's us. We are the magnifiers. We magnify Actually, there's, it's not just us. God magnifies himself. I actually read that in Ezekiel 328, or 38, 23. He said he magnified himself, and that's not the only place that he was like, and that's an interesting thought right there. Ask yourself right now, why would he do that? Just think about that for a minute. Why would he magnify himself? He must care about, he must care about himself being magnified, I think, is part of the answer, and there's, I think, other parts to that answer. But the, the point is it matters. It matters that he's magnified. It matters that he's, his greatness is seen on a larger scale. It matters. So what are some of the ways this magnifying looks? I think, you know, there's several ways. But the first one I have down here is with praise and thanksgiving after a big win. Whoa, you know how it is when you have a big win. You are ready to praise and thank and be all excited and happy, right? And so Psalm 34 one through three, and this is probably a fairly familiar one. I don't know if I have that one up there. I don't think I do, actually. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So this Psalm of David was written after he'd had a pretty big win in some respects. It, it, it was a shaky win to be a completely honest, but he had been in, um, let's talk about what's going on with David here. He was sort of under, he was running from King Saul. So King Saul was out to kill him. This had been confirmed by Jonathan. Um, he'd said, yes, for sure. My dad wants to kill you. It's not the first time we thought things were maybe going a little better, but clearly he's definitely going to kill you. So you need to run, get out of town. And they had this amazing friendship and love between them. But he said, definitely, you got to get out of town. So David's on the run. Run, David, run. And that's the, the next thing we know in the story, um, which is out of 1 Samuel 21, actually. David runs to the priest Ahimelech, or in some places it says Abimelech. And, and the priest is like, oh, what are you doing here all by yourself? What's happening? What's going on? This is odd. And David says, oh, I'm on a secret mission for the king, actually, right now. Uh, I've got some men waiting me for me a little down the road, and I'm, I'm here. i got to get out of here, though, really quick, actually. So I am here on a secret mission for the king, but I can't say anything about what that is, and i got to get out of here. So first of all, so he just lies. He's in a panic mode. That sounds to me like he's kind of in a panic mode. Or some say that possibly he was trying to save the priest's skin for later so that the priest wouldn't get in trouble with Saul because he can actually honestly say, I, I don't know why he was here. 
but he does he does sound like maybe he's in a little bit of a panic and says i got to get out of here do you have anything to eat i'm super hungry and the priest says well there is some bread it's yesterday's not yesterday it's the holy bread it's stale now we've got fresh hot stuff now but that's for you know in the uh, holy place but you can have this old stuff he's like great i'll take the old stuff and then he says, actually, I also need a weapon. I'm on a secret mission, but I don't have a weapon with me right now. Do you happen to have one of those with you? Well, Himalek says, we do have the sword of Goliath. That happens to be in the back wrapped up if you want to take that. And David's like, hey, there's no other sword like that one. Yeah, I'll take that. So this is a very interesting story, right? He is now taking the weapon of the enemy that he slayed on faith alone with some stones. And he's saying, I'll take that. Yeah, that weapon, probably a good idea. And this bread that's old and stale, I don't really have a plan. I'm on the run. And probably somewhere in, the, in his gut, he's going, God help me. Now, in another scripture, it does say that Ahimelech said he did inquire of the Lord for David because Saul accuses him of that, I think it was, if I'm remembering that right. I for sure am rem remembering it right that Ahimelech says, I did inquire of the Lord for him. So maybe there was some point in there where there was some inquiring of the Lord, but there's not a lot mentioned in the story. It seems like he's kind of just like, I got to I got to get out of here. And he's in a little bit of a panic. Hey, I would be in a panic too if I was David. And even if he's not in a panic, I would be concerned and, and trying to just make decisions and get, get through with it, right? So he leaves there, and then he goes, runs to um, the city of Gath, and the king there, well, someone recognizes him, because Doug the shepherd, no, Doug the, it's Doeg, but I like to say Doug, the Edomite, or someone was there at the, at the temple, and it's like, tells on him, like, and so he, um, he's, the king is saying, awesome, bring him to me, David's here, let's get him, we think this is David, I'm butchering this story, but basically, he decides to go insane, act like he's insane in front of the king. So that's his next great move. Like, what? Have you asked Jesus? Have you asked God about this at all? I don't know. Maybe he did. Again, to me, it feels more a little more like, God, help me. He makes it, though. He gets out of there. He gets to the cave later, and all these men sort of gather to him, the broken down, the, the vagrants, the misfits, they all gather to him. And I think we kind of know the story later. They go on and they do great exploits. But you didn't hear a lot in there of him just like crying out to God in the midst of that. And yet God did deliver him from his enemies. And so David says, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes it boast, its boast in the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. He's now talking in the cave to these guys, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. So he's ready to magnify the Lord because he knows I did some messing up on this, most likely. I think he kind of, it sounds like he kind of did some messes, maybe some missteps. But he also knows God was still there to deliver him, to save him, to rescue him, and give him an escape. No matter how he walked that all out, he knew it was God that actually was the one that was with him all along, and he magnifies that. He says, let's be sure we give credit where credit is due. Let's be sure we know who is the source right now of this victory. Now, there's another story 
where David gives praise and thanksgiving in anticipation of a big win. The first one was he just had a big win. This other one is in anticipation of a big win, and that's found in Psalm 69. I don't think I actually wrote all that out because there's several scriptures of that. That is a beautiful psalm, too. I would just highly encourage, like, read that psalm. Because David is in a place where he feels very overwhelmed. And I think many of us can probably relate to that feeling as well. It starts out like this, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overwhelm me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. This is not a good day for David. This is not in the middle of a wind. This is in the middle of many mighty enemies who hate him, who want to destroy him. His, he's being unjustly accused in this passage. He talks about that and hated. He's, he's sinned. He's done some foolish things. And now he's worried that he's going to bring God's name down because of his actions, because he's been the guy saying, serve God, God's great, magnify, he's wonderful, and now he's messed up. So now he's worried that he's actually going to bring God's name down. He has no relationship with his brothers. He is the song, he's in the song of the drunkards. I thought that was an interesting, like the song of the drunk. How much lower can you go when you were the subject of the, you know, the mockery of the song of the drunkards? They're actually making up songs about how stupid you are. That's rough. Not to mention there's a lot of people that want to kill you and there's just a lot of suffering and, and just gut-wrenching. You can hear it in the verses when you read them. But then he does shift in that psalm and he starts asking God for help. Save me. He turns to God. He knows where his help comes from. And then he asks God to like crush and thrash his enemies. And it's not pretty how he, the language he uses is pretty violent. Like he really just like, would you just destroy them all? You know, like that's what his heart feels. And I think even though we know from the New Testament, especially like that is not the, the way we handle our enemies at all. And God is consistent. So I have a feeling like he didn't say, yes, I'm just going to go crush all your enemies and do all these horrible things and blot their vision out and all this stuff that, that you're asking to do. But I, I am going to walk forward with my plan that I know is the right plan. And I do hear you. And he's with him. God is with David, even in the midst of these human kind of emotions and very strong emotions and very strong requests. So he's real and he's transparent. He lists his troubles. He makes his terrible requests known to God. And then he begins to magnify God with praise and thanksgiving. He says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This territory was not new to him in terms of magnifying and praising. It's all throughout the Psalms. It was his life. It was his method. It was his MO. We give thanks and praise to God. This is how we do life. This is how we face everything. This is how we face the big win. This is how we face the darkest, most gut-wrenching times in our life. We face it with magnifying the Lord with praise and thanksgiving. That's how we magnify him. We exclaim praise. We give praise. We sing praise. We shout praise. We give thanksgiving. 
we can magnify and praise with our lives as well, or magnify God with our lives as well, and in many other ways, I believe. It's not just verbal, totally not just verbal, but there is something powerful about verbally speaking out the praises of God and thanking him out loud and giving thanks for the things he is going to do and applying our faith to that, partnering our faith with that and saying, I am praising and thanking you right now for what is ahead. And it's amazing because um, in verse 34 to 36, this is his end. This is where the lens has shifted for him And he sees something new and big. And he says, let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build the cities of Judah that they may dwell there and possess it. Also, the descendants of his servants shall inherit it. And those who love his name shall dwell in it. He actually gets prophetic revelation in that moment. Because this is speaking even forward to Jesus and the city of Zion, and the dwelling place, being able to dwell in his presence. He has prophetic revelation, and it starts with magnifying, with praising and thanksgiving, with praising and thanking God for what he's going to do. That seems like a really important key to me. Like, if I miss that key and that point, for me, I just think I will spiral into what the world says or the world mindset. This is an important key we got to get that right lens on. we got to get that Thanksgiving lens on, that magnifying lens, so we can start to see what we can't see. So he proclaims prophetically the glory of God's salvation before it even happens. Hmm. And I am certain, I just can bet, it gave him a place of renewed hope and peace. It does me. It does me when I just take time to get into that mode of thanksgiving and praise. So there's also times you can magnify the Lord in big, scary moments or things that are really unfamiliar. Think about Mary when the angel came to her. What was her response? My soul magnifies the Lord. She needed that for her. No one else was necessarily around listening to that. She's like, my soul right now is going to magnify the Lord. Because this is beyond me, and I don't have a clue what's up ahead. But I know this much. I will magnify the Lord. That's what's important in this moment. My soul will magnify the Lord, and I will walk this out, and he will be with me. And she has a beautiful song that flows from that. Again, read that. It's beautiful and amazing. And it all starts with, I will magnify the Lord. Here I go. I'm going to do it. Boom. And she just, she just blows through all kinds of stuff that's just magnification of God, basically. His promises, his faithfulness, his goodness. It's beautiful. So praise and thanksgiving, magnifying the Lord, it matters. It matters. Why? Well, first of all, it is our created purpose. Isaiah 43:21 says, "The people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise." And this is the same chapter where it said, um, 
he will make streams in the wasteland. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it'll spring forth. Shall you not know it? Like these are the, this is the same chapter where that happens, where he says that we are created. This is what we're created for. If we're not exercising praise and thanksgiving, we're not exercising purpose. If we're neglecting giving thanks and praise to God and having that be an automatic, like this is what I do. After a big win, in anticipation of a big win, big scary moments, it doesn't matter. Just whatever, it's Tuesday. If that's not part of my MO, I'm missing out on my purpose. So let's get into our purpose and make sure we're in that mindset of thanksgiving and praise and magnifying him. Also, praise, magnifying God, which is praise and thanksgiving. I'm just going to keep saying these words because they're synonymous practically. But it helps us when we praise. And we've talked about that a little bit. But it's a weapon for small and great battles in life. How many of us have experienced this, this before? That this has helped you in a small or a great battle in life. When you've begun to worship, when you've begun to give thanksgiving and praise, magnify the Lord. We know it, right? I, I agree. Me too. Tons. Tons. I mean a lot. So it helps us. And the armies of Israel also knew it. Do you remember the story that Jehoshaphat, where they are under attack, they're going to have to go to battle. And let me see. Yep. I'm going to read some of this. Second Chronicles 2015 and 2122. I think that one's up there. Yep. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. I want to just let that sink in for a moment because I think some of us need to hear it today. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. That was the battle cry. That was the battle cry. His love endures forever. Give thanks. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Praise and thanksgiving is a weapon for us to help us and brings 
just the presence of God close, right? Like the presence of God just comes close and his love comes close. It's always there, right? We know it's always there, but there's something that shifts when we begin to declare him and make him great and make his name great. It's our purpose and it's also a weapon for us. And the Israelites, they knew it. They experienced it firsthand. And the battle cry was, his love endures forever. Praise also reveals the truth about what the kingdom of God is all about and draws others to that reality. And that touches a little bit on where my heart at the beginning, where I was singing about, I want to see others drawn to that reality. Psalm 145. Do we have that up there? Because how much time do we have? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 145, 1 through 7 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. This is just all magnifying and praising. One generation will praise your works to another. There's a flow and will declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works i will meditate people people will speak of the power of your awesome acts and i will tell of your greatness see how this is spreading like it's spreading it's not just to one guy anymore they will burst forth in speaking of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness Keep going on that one. Or is that it? I think we had 10 and 12. Oh, maybe not. 10 through 12. Yeah. All your works will give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones will bless you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your might. This is us. To make known to the sons of mankind your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of of your kingdom to make known to all mankind your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom i've been working at my mac high school for six years almost six years now and i've worked with one colleague for a number of years and i've been able to see just as i've worked with her she's a brilliant person she's very talented but i could kind of you know how the lord just kind of i don't know what it is. It's something that just, I could tell she's under a lot of like stress and like turmoil, I would say. Not like turmoil, but turmoil. There's just turmoil and stress and anxiety a lot. And so I want this to happen. I want to be a son and a daughter that extends the kingdom that tells of the greatness. And sometimes it feels like, well, when, when will I get to do that? When do I get to do that? How will I do that? No, this doesn't seem like an easy environment to maybe do that in. And I know people all have their feelings about God and religion. And I just, uh, but I've just known like he's going to show me. He's going to show. He's going to, we're going to, you know, he's going to show me what to do when the time's right. And this particular lady is, the last couple of years had some horrendous physical ailments and problems that have been debilitating, really. She's had to miss some school and stuff. Anyway, debilitating physical stuff. 
and she was in in uh, class one day and I was in that class happened to me in that class that day and she'd already told the kids what a rough day she was having and that physically she just was she was torn she was broken she didn't think she could do it she had to go to the doctor that day and as she uh, I talked to her after class oh well the other funny thing not funny the other important thing is that she also made some comments in class, as she does sometimes, that had a bit of a political uh, bent to them, probably a little bit on a biased slant that would be different than my slant. And it, it kind of irritated me. I was like, hey, you're not supposed to do that in class. Like, you're, not supposed, like, you're supposed to be just like neutral, dude. Like, what's happening here? And I got kind of irritated, and I was like, that's not even godly. I might just need to say something to her after class. I should say something to her after class. Come on, Vanjie. Don't be a, don't be a wimp here. Come on. You, you need to confront these things sometimes. We need to stand up and say something. Say something for the right things. Blah, 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 blah. And so I'm sitting there. I'm just getting, I'm just irritated. And so I'm, but I'm, I, the Holy Spirit kind of, he slowed me down. He's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe that's what you need to do. Let's, let's see how this, this goes. Let's just see. Maybe, maybe that's not what you're going to do. Okay, so into class, I go up to her, and I said, um, it just, the whole thing changed. I, I, that went completely out of my mind to confront her about anything. I said, I'm really sorry you're feeling badly. I know you've really struggled with this for a long time. I'm so sorry. And she's, she just starts pouring out this whole story about how scared she is about this situation and how it could impact her livelihood and what she'd wanted to do was do this, but now she doesn't know if she can because, and, and on and on, she kind of just described it. And I, the suffering, I mean, she was just suffering, you know? And I just felt that little nudge from the Holy Spirit. I said, can I pray for you? Now, remember, we've been friends now-ish, colleagues for six years almost. And she's like, yeah, sure, I'm okay with that. That's fine. And I know she has a religious background, but a very strict religious background. And so I put my hand on her. I said, is it okay if I, she says, yeah. And she grabs my hand. I was just going to do this, and she just grabs my hand. And I just said the simplest, simplest prayer. But I could feel the presence of God fall into that moment powerfully. And I just asked for God's blessing on her. I thanked, I thanked him for his love for her. She says during the prayer, Vanjie, you're going to make me cry. Vanjie, you're making me cry. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I said, I love you. This was after the prayer. I said, I love you. But that was the Holy Spirit. That was Jesus who loves you and cares about you. And then I had the, another extra encouragement. I felt Holy Spirit gave me that, you know what? This thing that you're afraid of happening, that if you can't come back because you're physically unable to, that everything's kaput, that's not how it's going to be. There's going to be something good at the end of this for you. Either you're coming back here feeling better and healed, or you've got something better. God's got something for you. Something good. And it was a shift in thinking. It was a shift in paradigm because we were seeing past the problem, and we were seeing God magnified. There's something else that God sees. This is not what he sees for you as this, this um, terrible stuff. That's not what his plan is. He has something good ahead for you, and I see it. I see it right now. He's got something because we are magnifying him, and we're in the middle of his presence 
because we've just been magnifying and thanking him and asking him for help. And now we're smack dab in the middle of his beautiful presence and we're feeling his love and we know he's got something better. We know he's got something good for you. We didn't, but I just, I did. So <laughs> me and God knew that we, there is something good for her. And she said, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean that, you know, and she just goes off. She gets all excited. Like, it doesn't mean that it's going to be all over and that my life is going to be terrible if, if I don't get to come back and whatever. You know, it was just so cool. But that is the kind of flow that we're after. That's the kind of flow I've been just longing for to see happen, to see this, what this was saying, the glory, uh, to make known to the sons of mankind your mighty acts. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. And he does flow, and he is flowing, and the river is going, and we just need to lift up our eyes, magnify, praise him, and watch him work, and believe and know that he is at work for good things, for good, good things. Well, we did not quite get to page six, but probably... Six is too many anyway. So, <laughs> um, But that, that is really just what, it's a simple message, but it's, it's probably the core message, one of the core messages of my life, I would say, that's been the biggest help and the biggest blessing, the biggest joy, and that's walked me through so many things. And I know for many of you as well, <laughs> I am not talking to people that don't know about the presence of God today. So... <laughs> I know it's been a great blessing to many of us, but you know what? Sometimes we just need that little reminder. I do anyway. And we need to get our minds and hearts aligned, realigned with heaven. With heaven, that's it, just that. Just so, we're just gonna, um, let's just stand up this morning as we end today. Holy Spirit, Father, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful and so thankful for you, for your great works, for your beautiful presence, for your transforming power at work in every single one of us and all throughout our community. We say today, you are at work. We magnify you for you are at work and you are working and flowing in our community, in our government, in our world, in our nation. We have nothing to fear. And we release all of that to you today, Lord. If any of us are holding fear today, or holding on to a fear, or any kind of mentality or paradigm that you know, that is just not it. I just invite you to release that. We just release it. We reject it. We say goodbye to that. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, come now. Breathe your words of life. Breathe your truth. And we will magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, Father. We love you and we thank you for your grace over our lives today. I just uh, bless every single person today. I speak your blessing in life for grace and peace throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.